right. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Marymount Community Church. I'm Dennis Beausejour, and we have an unusual Friday afternoon live broadcast uh, because uh, we have the Flying Pig this weekend. We're going to be doing things a little bit differently. So I want to welcome you. Uh, I'm also going to preach the week two message in this series. Uh, so you can have it available now live or you can watch it on demand later on. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind turning your Bibles to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. And uh, I'm going to make a few announcements before I dig into the message. First of all, uh, we have a men's gathering uh, Saturday, uh, April 30th. That's tomorrow morning in the Emory Room. And uh, I'm going to be dealing with the theme of But God Wins the Spiritual Battle. And I'm looking at Satan's plans to ruin us and Jesus' plans to have us overcome in victory through the kingdom gospel. So that's tomorrow morning. Hope to see you there, 9 to 11 a.m. All right. Secondly, the Flying Pig Outreach. Uh, that's going to happen Sunday morning at 745 at the six-way stop. Now, we've been feeling God's encouragement to go all in this year and to really bring a gospel focus to this outreach uh, in different ways than we have done in the past. So we're still going to have the bacon station. Uh, we're still going to have the prayer tent. We're still going to have great live music. Uh, but we're also going to involve all of our families in cheering on the runners, uh, in uh, children's games will be provided. We're going to have a ball. And uh, we're going to do church on the street at 1045 when the runners uh, are finished going through. Uh, it's probably going to be a shorter service than usual, maybe a song or two, and then I'm going to preach the kingdom gospel uh, to our community. And your job, I hope, will be to come on out, uh, encourage people, say hi to people, and welcome them and encourage them to come to our church on the street service at 1045. And so it's really going to be a case of the church leaving the building. So uh, now, the weather looks a little iffy tomorrow. It says scattered thunderstorms in the morning. Uh, that could be a deluge at 7 o'clock and nothing much after that. We don't know. We're praying for some clear skies uh, during the heart of the race for the runners and so that the people in our community can hear the kingdom gospel. So uh, come on out, bring your whole family. We're going to have coffee, snacks, bacon, everything you need uh, for an awesome outreach. Uh, so hopefully uh, we'll see you to, uh, Sunday morning at 745. Let's go for it as a community. Amen? All right. All right. So uh, today, and, and so today and all weekend, we're going to be focusing on the kingdom gospel. That's the second message in this six-part series. And the kingdom gospel is the gospel that Jesus preached. Uh, it is not the gospel of uh, individual salvation. That, that's part of the gospel. But in a way that we have shrunk the gospel down to, okay, good, I get to get saved when I'm, when I'm uh, after I die. Well, the kingdom gospel says, no, 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 no. Eternal life starts now. And this is a much bigger idea. This is about the idea of Jesus coming to save the world and bring in a new world order, an order that defeats evil and death. 
It's a much bigger idea. So the kingdom gospel is where we're going today. And I want us to really gather the implications uh, that this means for us living right now uh, in 2022. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to read uh, the text that you see on the screen. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, uh, cha- uh, th- uh, 3 to 17, 1 Timothy uh, 1, Second uh, Timothy, I should say, 1, 6 to 14, and then Second Timothy 4, a couple of verses at the beginning and a couple of verses at the end. So let's dive into the Word of God. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God. That's like the order of God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So we are bringing uh, the message of the good news uh, out of love and a sincere faith. He goes on in verse 6, certain persons, by swerving from these, uh, these, these right focuses, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law isn't laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy and the profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, uh, the enslavers, the liars, the perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus." This saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul finishes that testimony with worship and praise. All right, let's continue over into 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. That is the final message of the gifted series that we just finished. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And finally, we go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 and 16 to 18. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that, through me, the message might be fully proclaimed, and the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So these are the very words of God. These uh, are going to lead us through the kingdom gospel today because through this series of passages from the two letters, we're picking up the theme of the kingdom, of the gospel. We're picking up the theme of truth, and we're picking up the theme of this charge that Timothy is giving to, uh, the, the, uh, that Paul is giving to Timothy and all those to whom Timothy will read this letter. So we're going to look at uh, four parts of this message. First of all, the kingdom gospel. That's the theme. What is it? What it is? What it isn't? Thirdly, I want to look at the messenger's role. And then finally, I want to look at application. I have two specific applications for us today. So let me go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you uh, for the privilege of knowing you, of having your word, of having your spirit, of being given the opportunity to preach the kingdom gospel uh, to all those around us. And so, Lord, uh, I ask now, as we dive into this, that you, Father, would touch each and every one of us and empower each and every one of us to richly understand uh, what we've seen in these texts. And I pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, uh, first uh, part is the kingdom gospel, what it is. Let's just break down uh, the fullness of what we've heard in these uh, letters uh, to Timothy. First of all, the kingdom gospel is the biggest idea ever because Timothy is being told 
to bring this to the whole world. He's being told that this is uh, the highest level of teaching. This is the highest level of truth. This is the highest level of love. And um, he is... uh, telling that in the context that this truth is a biblical event. This is something that has been done in history. It is a report of good news. It is something that's happened in the historical past. It's an event that is now done. And we are now pronouncing that to the world around us. Uh, It is the fullness of the story of Jesus. His birth to become a human being, that God becomes a human being. His cross where he defeats death. He defeats the enemy, I should say. The resurrection where he defeats death. And these are things we talk about most most every Sunday. We talk about Jesus becoming fully man. We talk about his cross. We talk about his resurrection. One part of the gospel we don't spend a lot of time on is his ascension. And he, we will celebrate the ascension later this month in May. But the ascension is critical to the gospel because it says that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father in all authority, in all power. And from there, he is ruling his kingdom uh, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and of course, his second coming. And the gospel proclaims that there is a king of the entire universe, and his name is Jesus. And he has defeated all evil, he has defeated death, and he has instituted a new kingdom, uh, a new way of living, a new order. And so, The gospel is the truth. Jesus said in front of Pontius Pilate, I have come here to declare the truth. My kingdom isn't from here. And Paul, we heard last week, wrote about that moment before Pilate, and he called it Jesus' good confession. The good confession is that Jesus is God who became a human being uh, to bring into the human world his kingdom and his kingship. So this is, this is the good truth of the gospel. This is the good confession. And as I said, this is the stewardship of God. This is the order of God. The gospel is love. It's mercy. It's grace. The gospel says there's a new creation going on. Right now, people are being created as new beings, new people by the Lord Jesus himself. And it says, uh, Timothy, Paul also tells Timothy, it's a good deposit that is, that means it's a down payment. The down payment is the Holy Spirit that we experience now, the transformation that we experience now. Uh, This is jealously guarded by God because this deposit will be fully brought into payment one day when Jesus returns. Paul also says that the gospel, because it's uh, declaring a new king and a new kingdom, the gospel uh, has initiated a battle. The gospel is a battle. It's a call to warfare, and it's also a call to suffering. And Paul talks about the fact of suffering is involved in the gospel. 
So the gospel is the good news that Jesus has dealt with sin and evil and death. The gospel is world-changing news that Jesus has come to save sinners and he has come to save the world. Uh, the gospel has uh, come uh, to us as Jesus is beginning to make everything new. The gospel is also a command to repent and turn from the way of living in the world to following Jesus as king of his kingdom, to receive the kingdom. It's a command to repent and receive the, the kingdom, and it's a promise that will be guarded by the Holy Spirit, as we saw in chapter 1, verse 14. The gospel is finally a warning. It is a warning because all those who disbelieve the good news, who disbelieve the report, will be left on their own and will be left in the hands of God's wrath. So Paul summarizes in chapter 1, verse 15, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is a trustworthy saying. This is the first of Paul's five trustworthy sayings in the letters to Timothy and Titus. And he's summarizing that Jesus has come into the world to save sinners, uh, of whom Paul was the foremost. You know, I think about the gospel. We don't have much history about where the gospel stood uh, in the early days of Marymount Community Church when it was started uh, in 1926. What we do know uh, is that uh, in the 40s, late 40s, 50s, and 60s, it was a social gospel. And we know that God sent an evangelist here in 1977. His name was Mel Dibble. Uh, he was uh, one of the pastors. Uh, you know, we've only had uh, 14 pastors. I, I'm number 13, and uh, Jamie is number 14. Uh, Mel uh, was number uh, 11. And he served from 77 to 82. He preached the gospel. There was a, a revival here. Uh, and there was also another man preaching the gospel on the other side, on the west side of Cincinnati. That's my mentor, Jerry Kirk. And uh, both these churches, Marymount Church and College Hill Presbyterian, were the hotbeds of gospel preaching and gospel activity uh, in our city uh, in the late 70s. Some of our elders, uh, Tom Dewey and Mike Cambron, were new believers in that era. Uh, we're all, all of the pastors who have served here are sinners saved by God's grace. And uh, I'm number 13, as I said. Jamie's number 14. But this is why we preach the gospel every week. Um, we've, I've had people say, why do we just preach the gospel every week? Well, first of all, we need to hear the gospel as believers. We need to be reminded of the power of the gospel, of the impact of the gospel. And also, we never know who is with us in any given moment, and we want them to know the good news. We don't want anybody to visit this church and not hear about the good news of Jesus. As we've been focusing on this trustworthy saying, I'm just reminded of some of the things that have happened over the last several, uh, the, the last maybe 10 years. Uh, we did a disciple makers training uh, three different times, three different groups of about 12 each. We've got about three dozen 
trained disciple makers in our church. And if you want to be trained as a disciple maker, you need to let me know because it is a, uh, it's a very basic process about walking through the scriptures and seeing how Jesus told his disciples to go out and share. Uh, and, and many of those disciple-making, trained disciple-makers have been leading people to Christ. We'll look at our uh, discipleship survey next week, uh, the results of that, um, but we, we've had some really encouraging results uh, of uh, a significant portion of our church involved in people trusting Jesus for the first time. So uh, I remember the time with New Mission, Missionary Baptist Church, uh, in Madisonville, and we distributed Jesus film uh, CDs and encouraging invitations uh, to our churches, to every home, knocking on doors, praying for people, every of the 8,900 homes in the 45227 postal code. Our preschool, we do preschool parent outreaches uh, in the fall and in the spring, and those have been uh, super encouraging. And also in the preschool, we let the children hear and know the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Same thing in our kids' ministry. And uh, I remember one time we were going through Revelation in uh, the early part of 2016, and I, we preached the series of Revelation here in about 12 messages. And uh, every Thursday night at the school adjacent to here, uh, I gave a lecture on the book of Revelation. We advertised it, and uh, people came. Uh, I would say we had an average of 25 or 30 people throughout the series. I think we had 80 people the first night. Uh, but this is all the, the millions of ways that God has led us to, to bring the gospel to uh, our community. Now, the gospel tells us and this is what makes the gospel offensive to many. The gospel tells us that we are desperately lost and we need saving by a Savior. And so that's a super big downer. We're also told that the gospel uh, means that we are transformed from sinners into saints and that we will one day judge the world and have eternal life with the Savior. Um, in other words, and what I've said to you many times before is you have to know the bad news before you can really understand the good news. And this is the kingdom gospel. And so Tim Keller uh, reminds us uh, about Paul. Paul is constantly reminding us that in the gospel, we are both brought lower and raised higher than we can imagine. It's this, it's this challenging mix of uh, the, the, the being brought low by the depravity and the sinfulness that we all contain and it's raised up with the hope of uh, being transformed uh, into the, uh, the ways of Christ and being brought into a new heaven and a new earth. So the gospel is a new world order and the gospel, the kingdom gospel is the biggest idea ever. <clears throat> So let's take a look now at the second part of today's message. Uh, I've told you what the gospel is. Now I want to tell you what it is not. Um, and Paul goes through this uh, in chapter 1 of uh, 1 Timothy. He says uh, that it is not, the gospel is not secret knowledge that is hidden in these ancient Jewish genealogies. 
That is not the gospel. He then uh, goes on to this idea that these guys want to become teachers of the law, and uh, he goes on to describe uh, their, their foolishness in teaching the law uh, as if we can become good by the law. The law itself is good, and if you look at verses 8 to 11 there, he, he says it's not for those who have been justified by Christ. The law is addressed to the sinners. It's, a, it's helping. The law was given to us so that it would make us desire Christ. It, the law showed us that there's no way we can earn God's approval. And so it turned us to Christ. So in verses 8 to 11, he does a list, you know, for the ungodly and sinners, the unholy and the profane. That talks to the, the commandment to have no other gods before me or to uh, not use my name in vain. Those who strike their fathers and mothers, that's against the commandment to honor your father and mother. Uh, the murderers, it's the commandment not to murder. The sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, uh, those, those, that, that are, uh, those that are committing adultery. Uh, the enslavers are the ones that steal people who want to just enslave them in these false doctrines. And then liars, perjurers, are the ones who give false testimony against their neighbors. So he's literally going through the Ten Commandments and he's, he's helping them understand your goal as a believer is not to preach the law. Your goal is to understand that the law was given to help people see their need for Jesus. So it is not secret knowledge. It is not a new law. It is not legalism. And also, it is not about good works. Uh, it is not about becoming a good person. We do not do good things to earn God's approval. That's impossible. We receive the gospel, which then gives us the changed heart with which we can do good things by faith. So it's not about good works. It's not about being good people. We are not good people. We are people who sin and need a Savior. And so uh, the, the, it, is, it is not this idea of being a good person. That's impossible. That, that is a false gospel. It's not about inviting Jesus into your life. That is a highly presumptive position. It's actually quite the reverse. It's, I'm going to leave my life to join Jesus' life. We're going to join Jesus in how he does things. You know, we've seen uh, so many times where we've uh, brought the gospel in different ways. We've had a lot of failures. I remember one time we did this giant marriage weekend. We presented it in all the uh, advertising and all the magazine, the uh, the town crier here, the news, the newspaper, uh, and uh, we got maybe a couple, three people to come out of twelve couples. Two or three were from the neighborhood. Uh, we went out one year raking leaves, and we thought that would be a good way to get to know people. Uh, so we were knocking on doors, raking leaves. And, uh, I mean, that was a blessing to serve some of the older members in our community. Every single Christmas Eve, forever, we would work on a huge concert, and um, 
we would uh, have people come in and we would preach the gospel. And uh, some of the time, uh, that, that had the effect where someone would come later and say, hey, I, I need a spiritual help. You guys seem to know about Jesus. So we, we, we do not preach the gospel and, and expect we will always be successful. God wants us to preach the gospel and leave the results to him. And he wants us to trust him. So preaching the gospel is not about our performance. It's not about what smooth talkers we are. It's not about uh, any of that. And it's about the power of God as we preach the gospel faithfully to convict people and to draw them to follow Christ. I remember one year uh, we found out that people in the community thought that Marymount Church was for people who lived and owned their own home here, but it wasn't for the renters. And there's a whole, like, uh, idea of the homeowners versus the renters. So the elders were, like, really disturbed by that. So we basically divvied up every rental unit in, in, in uh, Marymount, and we went out and knocked on doors. It was unbelievable. Uh, we knocked on every single door, and our plan was to have a community dinner, come and get to know your neighbors, uh, come and get, let us get to know you, that you're welcome in this church, we love you, and bring your kids, we're going to have an evening of fun with kids, we're going to have an evening uh, where we can just have a nice meal and get to know each other. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and we had a, I mean, we had Babette's feast out there. It was magnificent. And the night came, and several people said they would come. We had nice little invitations. Uh, we knocked on every door. We talked to probably 60% of the people. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. We'll be there. So we come to the night, and absolutely no one shows up. Zero. Zero. We felt like the greatest, uh, the greatest failures in the history of evangelism and friendship. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to me that no one did show up. But that was, the way, that was the way that the church was perceived by those people in that community. So uh, just want to say uh, that the gospel is not the law. The gospel is not uh, the secret knowledge of genealogies. It is not being a good person. It is not doing good works. It is not about inviting Jesus into your life. And it's not a part-time uh, thing that you add to a very busy life. Paul Washer said it this way, the true convert does not receive the gospel as an addition to his previous life, but in exchange for it. And we've talked a lot about the divine exchange that happens at communion where we trade in our sin and unrighteousness and we receive from Jesus through the body and blood that he shed, broke for us and shed for us that we get his life. And so the gospel is an exchange. And it's not something you just kind of tack on, but is actually something you trade in yourself for Jesus. That's why when we have baptisms here, uh, we are actually conducting a funeral. We are actually burying the old person under the water 
and their sins is wa are washed away, and as they come up out of the water, they are given the resurrection power of Christ. It is an exchange. Uh, and so a couple of weeks ago, uh, when Annalise uh, and Hannah were baptized, the old Hannah and the old Annalise were buried and said goodbye to, and the new Annalise and the new Hannah came out of the water filled with the resurrection power of Jesus. So it's not something you fit in. It's a total exchange. All right, so let's talk about part three here, which is the messenger's role. Obviously, to be a messenger, we have to know the truth of the word. We have to be able to say uh, in several different ways, concisely and clearly, what the gospel is. We need to experience the gospel. We need to love Jesus with this sincere faith that he actually has saved us from death. And then we have to walk in the power and the love and the self-discipline that Paul said comes with Timothy. And Paul also does a beautiful thing here in chapter 1, verse 12. He starts in and he gives his entire testimony through uh, verse 17. It's a really powerful section of the letter because Paul is describing what happened to him. Paul is telling his story. And this is what we need to do. We need to tell our story. We need this life of worship and presence with Jesus. Uh, we need to suffer well in faith and love when we are castigated for being a Christian or shunned for being a Christian. Uh, we need to be, uh, we need to suffer faith, suffer by faith well. I remember there was a time where Marianne and I knocked at all of our adjacent neighbors in our community, backyard neighbors, front neighbors, side neighbors, even down the street neighbors, and we invited them all to a Bible study, uh, and uh, we said we would be looking at one paragraph of the Bible each week, and we would be serving wine or beer, and we would just sit and have a conversation about the Bible. And we had five or six people in person just tell us, yeah, that sounds really awesome. I'd like, and the whole context was, let's find out what the Bible says about being neighbors, about raising kids, about being married, just simple stuff. And so the night came for the first Bible study, and, uh, well, first of all, at 3 o'clock, I got an email from one guy. I don't ever want to do this with you. I'm sorry. Do not contact me any further. Another lady said, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Anyway, by 7 o'clock, we had every single person, every single person had checked out of our Bible study that we were, we were just really excited to, you know, and the way we, we presented it was, look, we just want to see what the Bible says. And... Um, so uh, one night we were taking a walk and one of the neighbors that we invited was uh, driving in her car and I said to Marianne, hey, look, there's our neighbor. Um, and uh, the neighbor did a quick turnaround and drove around the block. And so I said, oh my gosh, she's avoiding us. She's avoiding us. So we walked around the corner, and sure enough, she came around the corner and went in her driveway and then kind of dodged into her house. So, uh, you know, it's, it's hard when, when you're walking down the street and your neighbor sees you coming and they grab their garbage bins and they run back in the house. 
And it's this feeling of, uh, just this feeling of being ostracized or, you know, A, and B, being a failure at, at sharing the good news, being a failure at welcoming people and encouraging them. So uh, we, we need to recognize uh, that uh, we, we share the good news and we are not responsible for the outcome. That's between that person and God. And I want to tell you something about sharing the gospel. And, you know, in Acts chapter 4, there's a scene with all the religious leaders, the whole council of the Sanhedrin, and the apostles get brought in, Peter and John, they get brought in for speaking the gospel and healing this guy. And um, they're arguing with them, and they're sort of uh, trying to just put them down. And those guys count it worthy to suffer for the name. But they're, they're there, and all of a sudden, the text says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Because they had been with Jesus, because they had experienced the gospel, because they had experienced the Holy Spirit, they were able to speak with courage and boldness about the truth of what Jesus did for them. Then they prayed for the other guy, and they healed him. And again, in the power of Jesus. So let me just break this down for you. I just want you to see this. Unschooled, that means no seminary, Okay, no seminary. Ordinary men. The Greek word there is idiotes, where we get the English word idiot. Okay, that's what that means. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When we pray for someone on the street this coming Sunday, we need to expect that that person's going to be healed. They may not all be healed, but I believe God's going to move in healing. God's going to be with us because what we're saying this Sunday is we're saying we are ordinary idiots. We're going to put on our grunt t-shirts and we're going to go out there. We're going to give people bacon. We're going to give people water. We're going to give people uh, the opportunity to receive prayer. We're going to give kids uh, uh, cheering, uh, sound-making, cheering devices, face painting, whatever we're end up doing. We're going to give them coffee and snacks. Uh, we're going to give them great music. And we are going to give them the gospel. But each and every one of us can go out there and talk to people, ask them if they need prayer, uh, invite them over for an for a outdoor church-on-the-street service at 1045. Uh, and uh, what is the requirement? It is the requirement that we are being with Jesus. So I'm calling us to prayer today, tomorrow, Sunday morning before you come here. Let's pray. Let's ask God for the opportunities. Let's let, ask God to open uh, the, the, the path of this storm to clear a, a space where we can speak to our neighbors about the kingdom gospel. And that is our calling. That is our charge. All of us get to preach the gospel. All of us get to share the love of Christ that he has done and what he has done for us. So, uh, that's the role of the messenger. That's the role of the messenger. Okay, finally, number four, application. Uh, so, we, we've got some very good news. What we've learned now, 
uh, from Paul's glorious testimony of Jesus from the text that we've read today. And I just have two applications for us today. Two applications. First of all, take some time to write and practice and share your God story. Shoot for less than two minutes to be able to say, you know, I grew up in a very poor family. Uh, I went to college. I got a better job than I ever thought I'd get. I, w- I worked at P&G. I made more money than I ever thought I'd get. But I was uh, more and more distraught. The older I got, the more kids I had, beautiful wife, there was something inside that was aching. And I was, I was medicating that eternal ache in my heart with uh, a sex addiction, with excess food, with drinking, and all of the luxuries that I've tried to shove in there, and it was unsatisfying until the moment that I met Christ at a retreat in Hong Kong. And I heard the good news of what he did for me and that he forgives my sin. And I'll tell you what, I had a lot of sin that needed forgiving. And I remember just that 60-pound rock coming out of my chest and uh, God holding me in his arms and saying, you are forgiven, you are mine. And, and immediately, I, I just sensed this presence, and I immediately wanted to share the good news. Like, wow, this is, the, this, is in, this is insane. This is so good. All the things I've done wrong, boom, cleansed by the cross. And to uh, just, I just invite you to come and follow Jesus with me. That's simple. That's simple. One or two minutes, just your basic story with Jesus. And then second, I want you to do the same with the gospel. I want you to write, practice, and share the gospel. You can do the three circles video that we've shown here several times. That's uh, if you just Google three circles video, um, then right there is three minutes on how to explain the gospel to somebody. Or you can do it conversationally and just ask, how are you doing? How's your relationship with God? And uh, speak in and let the Holy Spirit show you how to do that. Now, what I'm going to do Sunday is I'm going to hopefully demonstrate uh, a way of sharing the kingdom gospel uh, with people, and maybe that will give you uh, some specific ideas. So, that's what we're going for this weekend, guys. Kingdom gospel. Men, tomorrow morning... Uh, the Flying Pig Bacon Station Outreach on Sunday morning. It's all weekend we're talking the kingdom gospel here at Marymount Community Church. So let me pray for us as we close uh, this time of studying God's word. May your life be infused by the presence of Jesus. May your Jesus story shine before others. May your life fully proclaim the message of what God has done for us. And I bless you to go and share your story, to share the gospel uh, with those around you. And uh, Father, I also pray that you would release courage, uh, Lord, that you would release power, that you would release self-discipline, and also over the weekend that you would release healing. And I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, come and be with us at the six-way stop. Uh, Lord, touch down. Lord, touch down. Be with your people. 
so that uh, we can go with confidence being your average idiots who simply have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you on Saturday, men, and Sunday, the whole church. Let's get out there and let's do it. Amen. Thank you.